Welcome, everybody, to another Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Jeremy, why were you laughing? You were just laughing. What are you laughing about? Uh, laughing about... Um, As our last podcast? Yeah, you know, and, and, and how much people want to listen to the, the level of cheat kissing that sometimes goes on other places. I mean, I don't understand. You know, it's it was it was just... Uh, it's, it was funny to me then. It's really funny to me now. I'm glad people got uh, got a chance to listen to that and enjoy it because, boy, was that a that was a treat to be around every day. I got to tell you that. <laughs> Speaking of treats, you look around Major League Baseball, some great stories. Your mean Mercedes, Akil Badu from the Tigers, and then you've got Detroit coming into Houston and sweeping the Astros. We were exactly right. Standing ovation for A.J. Hinch. How concerned should Astros fans be after 12 games? Well, I mean, as we talked about it last time, you know, it's still early. You know, two weeks is early. Six and one was early. Um, you know, Oakland came in here, played better. Detroit came in here and, and did what they did. Um, I think what you're looking at is that the Astros aren't real deep, right? That's what we talked about. It's not so much about um, what they might have at the major league level. They're just going to have to win or lose with that club. There's nothing behind it to go help them that's going to have any kind of real impact. Um you know, part of that's people will say, you know, part of that's because of trades. No, no, because if you look at Seth Beer League, he's not, he's doing what he's doing. Right. And if you go look at, you know, uh, Corbin Martin's pretty good. But, you know, he's still, you know, he's got a chance to be something. Uh, Bukowskis. I, I can't help you. You know, and you've got the, you know, you've got Mark, Mark Sandwich Appel back with the Phillies. I mean, you've got all these things going on here that aren't part of the system and just Luno and, and company Elias, they didn't do a good job in the draft. I mean, you're just going to have to admit that. So right now the Astros still have a good club. Springer's not here anymore. So that's that, but they're going to have to win with what they have. There's nothing coming for help. There's really nothing they can trade to do anything real meaningful out of the system to add to the big league pieces. So uh, it is what they, it is what it is. And that's, that's just it. I wouldn't be concerned. It's still a very, very good team. It's just, there's nothing to come stop the bleeding besides what they have. My biggest concern going into that season was the starting rotation. And um, what have we seen through the first couple of weeks of the season? The starting rotation. Because yeah. they can't get guys out of the fifth inning. And they're having trouble even getting in through into the in and out of the fourth inning. You know, part of that, and I, I got to go back and look at how these guys did in the minor leagues to speak educationally on this. But Jason, part of that was that the Astros came up with the rocket scientist idea to piggyback starters in the minor leagues when Luno and Elias were here. Well, this, does, this, this doesn't have anything to do with that. This is guys that can't get Odorizzi, McCullers, Branky. They're all having issues. They aren't going deep into games, at least these last games. Part of that is going to be build up, and if you look at the younger kids, it's going to be. Well, I mean, Granky's in the spot in his career. They're getting rocked, Jeremy. They're getting rocked. I understand, but Granky's in the spot in his career where the twilight is is probably finding him now, right? So it's smoke and mirrors. It's tricking guys to understand how to pitch, and if he misses, it's going to get hit. Okay, McCullers is in a situation where he's got a, a new role mentally on this team. Regardless of what he's had before, he's had Keuchel, he's had Verlander, he's had Morton, he's had a bunch of guys to learn from. And now he has to step into that role. And he is really the, you know, the one for all, for all intents and purposes and the veteran. So he's going to, according to what we just talked about before, he's the player rep, right? So he has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. This is a new mental role for him, regardless of whether or not he knows it, he can handle it, but it's just a new mental role for him. Um, when it comes to a guy like Odorizzi, Odorizzi's a fifth starter. 
That's what he is at this point. He's a guy that can give you innings. He is a five-inning guy now. He's not going to be a seven, eight-inning guy. So you've got you've got somebody in the twilight of their career who can pitch and, and still win games for you. You've got somebody who has to be a number one that's learning how to be a number one now, who's probably not really a prototypical number one, but still learning how to do it. And you've got the other guys is a is a is a guy that was signed after the fact, should have been signed beforehand, but signed after the fact after Valdez went down, I believe. And he's still working himself back into it, but he's a five-inning guy anyway. That's going to put a lot of pressure on the bullpen. But as I was saying for the kids, under the Luno-Elias system, they were doing tandem starters. One guy went five innings, one guy went four innings. One guy went four innings, one guy went five innings. You're only training yourself to go that far. The reason why they did it was they wanted to do intent and be as best as good as they could for five innings, turn around and turn over the bullpen or somebody else behind that because analytics said so. What happens when you show up in the big leagues and guys can figure that stuff out? What was that word you just used? They get rocked, right? So, you know, James Click is, is, is doing the best he can with what he has. I think you posted what you posted on Twitter the other night was right. Rotation speaks for itself might be the wrong way to say this because right now what it's saying ain't great. Speaking, but it ain't great. So, uh, yeah, we started rotations a big concern. They need to get Valdez back. Need to get these guys stretched out a little further. But that's a different. That's a change in philosophy. It was interesting after Lance McCullers' start on Wednesday, the day that the Astros had to put five guys on the IL due to Major League Baseball's protocol, safety, health and safety protocol. After the game. Lance McCullers said he didn't think that this game should have been played at all, that that obviously had been discussed among the players and it was overruled. Can you provide any insight on how a process might go down like that? I mean, is there a give and take between the GM of the team and the player rep? Do they have a team meeting? Any idea how this would shake out under these circumstances? Well, before I get into that, I guess I would ask, did Lance, has, do we know who overruled it? Was it James Click or was it the, the league? I don't know. And I've been meaning to reach out to the Players Association about that. All right, so let's assume it was the league who's going to have final say on that, right? I would imagine James Click, if he's got to put five guys on the IL because health and safety protocols, which we know today means exposure of some kind, right? If that's what that is, and it's certainly those players, he's not going to want to play if he didn't have to. Right. So if Lance McCullers comes to him and says, hey, the players are saying we don't rather not play the game, he's going to go to Major League Baseball and he's going to talk to them about it. Major League Baseball will make that decision. That seems to be the proper chain of command. Now, what's interesting about that is that we just saw the Nationals and Mets completely shut down. Right. Essentially. And then the Mets had to wait, you know, whatever it was to go play the next you know, start their season. Um, so for Major League Baseball to shut down that series and then shut down, not shut down last night. Uh, would tell me that they don't believe what happened in Houston with the Astros to be anywhere near as serious as what happened with the Nationals and it's just get out on the field and play. Otherwise, they're going to be out of an abundance of caution. They're not going to play. Um, you know, that said, we are in an age today where we're not playing sporting events sometimes. Sometimes it's social justice. Sometimes it's health and safety protocols. Sometimes it's danger. You know, with COVID still very much, um, you know, new... new What's, with COVID being very much not new, but evolving, I guess is the word I'm looking for, um, even when it comes to some of the vaccines, you know, that are out there and how they're being moved around and what the news is coming out about them, 
Um, if players don't want to play because they feel like there's a risk, probably should listen to them. You know, that's just that's just my opinion. Doesn't mean they're going to sit out for a week. It just means that hey, we got five guys that just went on the IL. Uh, maybe we could take a look and see everybody else, what's going on, outside the protocols first before we go back on the field. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I understand uh, why they would want to play the game anyway, but I also think that the players are the ones with their, their bodies out there and they should be listened to. And it's interesting you mentioned the Mets and Nationals. That's one of the things that Lance McCullers mentioned after the game was that it appears there are different rules for different teams. And I think I know based on what Lance said uh, and how he said it, there was some frustration behind that. I also think it's interesting that I go back to the first day that the Tigers came into town with AJ Hinch, their former manager, and I vividly remember two of the first persons to go up and greet AJ Hinch. They were not wearing masks. Two of those players are now on the IL, those being Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve. Again, I'm not saying they have it. I'm not saying they were they could transmit it to anybody. I'm just saying, um, if you remember the Detroit Tigers, obviously you've got to have some concerns too based on just your contact with the team during this road trip and your stop in Houston. Yeah, you know, to be, to be abundantly clear, the issue with COVID-19 um, is that you, it affects everybody differently. We, we don't know. That's just what it, we're not going to know for five, 10 years, maybe what this thing really does long-term effect-wise. We know that some people who would um, still be here aren't here anymore because they contracted this and whatever health conditions they had or how, whatever they got to this point, it affected them in a way that cost them their lives. We know that for a fact. We also know that we see young people getting more, getting affected more and more. And we see a 99.97, whatever it is, survival rate overall. So the question and concern of the virus is, is it deadly? Well, all viruses are deadly. The concern is we don't know what this is going to do enough yet. So um, as it, as it evolves, what I would tell Lance is as much as I respect him as a player, as much as I respect, you know, him wanting to step up for the city of Houston to finish his career here. Um, there's, there's, well, there are definitely going to be for the rest of their careers, different ways of viewing the Astros who were part of the 2017 and 2018 teams health and safety is not something anybody's going to play with. So there's not going to be a situation where Major League Baseball is going to look at them and say, yeah, you're the Astros and we have an ax to grind against you, so you're going to play. That's not what happened. It's just they didn't, they didn't think it was serious enough and they went forward. And the Players Association, by the way, and again, I want to speak out of school, but I would imagine had to sign off on that to get them back on the field because the first thing they're going to do is say, yeah, okay, we're with it. No. Instead, they said, get out and play. So it tells you it probably wasn't as serious as Lance was thinking. And that's what James Click said before the game when we spoke to him, albeit about an hour later than normal. I think we spoke to James Click on Wednesday at about 3.35. That's pretty precise, 3.35. Whereas on a seven o'clock game, we would talk to Dusty at three o'clock. For, for those who don't know, each day you have media availability with the manager and a couple of players. During normal times, you can go into the clubhouse. During these COVID times, we're all doing Zooms, as you know. Typically, a 7 o'clock game, the media will speak to Dusty Baker at about 3, and then we'll talk to some players that are provided to us after that. 
And being that that Wednesday game was a six o'clock start, that would obviously push everything back an hour or move it up an hour. So we should have spoken to Dusty at about two o'clock. The fact that we didn't see anything from the Astros in our email about game notes, Zoom links, I was like, uh-oh, something's going on. Yeah. What's going on here? And sure enough, there was. This is interesting, and you've talked about depth. I'm wondering if, and I know Dusty Baker likes to look at things in a positive light. I'm wondering if this may be a little bit of a blessing in disguise in a way, in the sense that, yes, I know the Astros don't have a lot to deal with in terms of prospects and players that they're probably willing to trade away. But listen, if a couple of these guys, one or two of these guys, maybe a Ronnie Dawson, it, no, who knows how long the stars will be out. But if they can do something in a abbreviated cup of coffee here with the Astros, is it possible that could increase their value a little bit on the market? Or is it one of those things that's such a small sample size and you just go back on your reports and You've seen these guys for years and years and years. Um, those guys years are years and years, right? Yeah, a small call guys, up doesn't matter. Yeah, those guys, those guys are depth, and, and they're they're basically four A players, and they're designed. They help. They'll have a job for whoever they play for, and they help you in the big leagues for a short period of time. And they go back to AAA and tear the cover off the ball, and they'll perform there, and they come back up, right? There's guys who've done that for the, the, in the as long as the game's been around. So. Um, you know, James Cook is going to have to go sign some of those names we talked about before on Sports Extra, you know, to go ahead and do some things that way, most likely. I mean, we talked about Redick at one point. He's obviously in Arizona. I mean, if he wants help, it's going to come from the free agent pile. It's not going to come from at least any meaningful help um, beyond a short stint from the guys he has in, in, in the minor leagues. And, you know, even, even Kyle Tucker, we talked about this off screen um, a little bit. You know, Kyle Tucker, um, I've never been a Kyle Tucker fan from a performance standpoint. You know, he's got power. He's got athleticism. Heck, he's in the big leagues based on athleticism, right? But the hit tool is, is wanting. And, um, you know, he's been around the league now enough. This is, you know, we're not talking about a kid that just got here now. He spent all of last year in the big leagues. He spent, I want to say, almost all of 19 in the big leagues, right? So it's 19 and 20. And he spent certainly spent part of 18, I believe, in the big leagues with a call-up. So he's been here two and a half Even if you give him, and I don't know what the games were in, in 2018. Let's say he played 40 games. He played 60 last year. That's 100. And I can tell all- you how many games right now. I got it pulled up. He played all of 19 for sure. No, so- uh, no, he didn't actually. In the bigs. So in 2018, he played 28 games. 2019, he played 22 games. 2020, he played 58 games. And obviously now he's 12 games in. That's a total of 120 games. He almost has a, a season, a, a full season season's worth of at-bats, 426 in his big league career. And, you know, for a guy that's been touted as an all-star by the previous regime, it's kind of underwhelming the first 120 games. There's been flashes, don't get me wrong, leading baseball, at least the league in uh, triples with six, nine homers. But there's a lot of swing and miss. Well, swing and miss is a tone of the hitters today that we have and the approach they're taking in general. I mean, second year in a row now that strikeouts are outpacing hits and will continue to surpass them. Um, so that Kyle doesn't Tucker, bother you? 
No, it bothers me big time. I mean, I think it's it's complete lack of development. It's a sideways thing that Luno and some of the people that they were around and Elias have taught into the game and force fed analytically. You know, we talk about some of the, the issues I've had with some of these people. This is the large, this is a large part of it. The stuff we're talking about, we're still evaluating players on, on contacts, right? You got look at a guy like Bregman, you know why he's so good in Altuve? They make contact. They make consistent contact. They don't strike out 700 times, you know? When you got a guy like Kyle Tucker, who has all the athleticism, that approach is just, I mean, it's its not good. It's frustrating. And it's, it's all over baseball. But back to Kyle Tucker. Okay, so he's got 130 games this, which you said, 128. He's got, um, call it almost 500 at-bats. It feels like he's been here forever because he's been here four different times, right? And last year would have been a full year in the big leagues, but he got what they gave him. But it's time to produce. The league knows who you are. You know who they are. Four times in the big leagues now. You're here to stay. Produce. Now, incredibly difficult job. I qualify this every time I say something. One of the best players in the world. Incredibly difficult to do. And he's doing, he's one of the best at his craft. Just is what it is. But when you're in the big leagues, man, you're trying to win championships. They're trying as hard as they can to win. Something's got to happen with his approach or he's, it's going to be too ingrained to ever go, go another way and help the Astros beyond the occasional running into one. So in those 120 games, 426 plate appearances, uh, 239 with a 763 OPS, 17 homers, 68 runs driven in, 87 strikeouts in 120 games. Not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. 87, 87 strikeouts, 120. What's that? How many? Is, how many one for a bat? One every three, or so. They're All saying right. as 100 baseball reference, 162 game average, 239 batting average, 763 OPS, 23 homers, 92 runs driven in. I mean that that's that's we'll take, upper that's upper upper echelon. We we'll take 23 and 92, but that makes him a soft regular because the bat, the, the batting average and the strikeouts, and I don't know how we get to 92 RBIs. I'll trust the stat guys on projecting that. But if you take 23 and 92, that's, those are pretty good numbers for producing. But if you make more contact, it's 30 and it's, it's 120, 35 and 120. And that's the type of ceiling we've been told he has. Again, incredibly difficult to do. One of the best players on the planet. No one's taken that away from him. Exceptional athlete, but you know, he, to be in this lineup and to be a cornerstone with Jordan Alvarez, that's a lot of strikeouts. That's a lot of swing and miss. It's a lot of bad outs. Uh-oh, who's blowing up your phone? Um, I don't know. I got nine messages. Nine messages. Don't they know this is podcast time? Uh, yeah, I guess. They do now. So should we pull off – should we pull out one of your old scouting reports? Sure. What do you got? I almost feel like we've done this one before, but the fact that he's back into baseball. Should we revisit Mark Capel or no? Actually, do you, did you ever see Akil Badu as an amateur? I did not. That guy, I mean, your mean Mercedes is a great story, but here's a guy that was hitting 230 in the Florida State League. And yes, I know that it's the big ballparks because you're playing in the spring training homes, but... Man, to do what he's done, and yes, I know it's two weeks, but really impressive. He doesn't look he doesn't look like the moment is too big for him at all. 
these guys have a tendency for at their fighters and they get through stuff to not worry about where they are. They're just happy to be there, you know, and they're just going to play as hard as they can because they understand it can be taken away from them because of the road they've had. So um, I actually have a question for you. Okay. Something that has to do with the Atlantic league and their 61 and a half foot rule. Yeah. I, I remember you doing this with the Pecos league and going over this stuff. What was, what was the findings again of that? I'd have to go back and look, but it was the spring Pecos League, which is a little different than the regular Pecos League. The spring Pecos League is a league that is run in Houston that places guys in the Pecos League and provides a little bit of a spring training, if you will, for some of the independent league guys around here. So... Basically, yeah, they moved the mound back in 2019, and we discovered that fastballs act the same. They moved it back. They actually used 62.6 inches. I'm looking here, 62 feet, 6 inches. So two feet back. Yes. They said the fastballs acted the same, but other pitches had to be thrown differently. What about the DH rule where the DH, once the starting pitcher comes out, the DH is gone? That's ridiculous. I can look at your face. Jeremy's rubbing his head. And why I don't understand why we're trying this. I don't because they want to speed up the game. Jeremy, yes, the Wednesday's Astros Tigers game. Wednesday's Astros Tigers game, 6-10 start, went almost four hours stop having guys swing and miss and throw as hard as they can off the backstop it's not bull durham stop you know train guys to to play the game differently instead of uh, promoting this false narrative about true outcomes the only pitch only situation in the game it's a true outcome is nobody on nobody out top of the first oh count after that the rest of it changes a one one oh two one Man on first, nobody on, one out, two out. The entire approach to it's not a true outcome. Just that one's a true outcome. It's a fallacy. It's an outright lie, and we've completely taken the game and made it a certain way. And now we got to come up with, and pardon the expression if anybody's offended, slow pitch softball video game rules to try to turn around and make baseball into something everybody can do because apparently we've made it too difficult because we're playing it the way it wasn't intended. Unbelievable what's going on unbelievable it's almost like the bat phone to tom mcnamara from david moore hey this is david i want the player in this round i'm gonna go ahead hey mac what do you need you need a you want a pillow things too tough for you in the stands how about a, how about how about a snack can i bring you a snack i'm gonna go over and burn in it it's not i mean what do we do let's knock it off you know let's just keep play baseball play baseball i mean i love baseball but yesterday i was hating baseball because the rockets game which started at eight o'clock nearly finished up earlier or sooner than the Astros game, which started at six o'clock. I saw your tweet on that. That was hilarious. Um, that was funny. It was, I don't understand what's going on with that, except for the fact that we were playing it makes the game slow. The way we're playing it makes the game. Station to station baseball is boring. It's boring. 
Where's the guy stealing bases? Oh, wait a minute. Probability says we don't steal bases? Oh, I get it. So now we're going ahead and catch on one knee. Hold on. Let me see if I can do this back. I'm going to catch on one knee behind the desk. I'm going to catch this podcast on one knee, just like that. And I'm going to go ahead and everything's going to go right by me because I can't move. Okay. And all of a sudden now we're going to give up all these extra bases and guys are going to run that way because we got guys throwing 117 miles an hour and knowing where it's going. I don't get it. I don't get what if you have to create rules for the first time in 130, 50 years, whatever it's been, you're probably doing it wrong. You don't need to ch- 150 years. You're creating rules to a game. You're changing rules to a game. You're probably doing it wrong. All right. I- Just- Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's it. Just saying. I'm at my box. Here's the soapbox. I'm going to jump back down and sit in the chair. I don't understand why we're doing it this way. All right, I found a scouting report from 2012. Okay. I just want to get where he's at right now. Currently pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was chosen fifth round, 176 overall by the Dodgers in 2000. Stripling. Thomas. Ross Stripling. Another guy. Hey, let's get this senior in the fifth round. It's a 60 curveball. He's got a good arm. He's going to pitch for a long time. Nah. <laughs> we're going to take this. We're going to take this guy from uh, New York who you know, no one ever heard of. All right. What? Here's what you wrote back then. Fourth starter in major league role. Command and control pitcher with an out pitch breaking ball and enough fastball velocity and command to protect it. Durable frame that gets stronger as the game goes on. Natural curve that he has outstanding feel for and uses it throughout the zone. Knows how to throw one for a strike in any count, as well as put hitters away. Leaves hitters shaking their heads as they walk back to the dugout. Fastball has sink life, sharp plane, and is tough to lift. Physically mature with no ceiling, but will move quickly and will help a major league staff soon. Still needs more consistent arm speed with the change but isn't afraid of it and throws it in any count. Did I like him? You think I liked him? I love this guy. You just took you. That's where you take him. And where, where did the Dodgers take him? Was it the fifth round? Fifth round. You had him, uh, you had him 63rd on your list here and you had him in the fifth round. There we go. And that's just where he lined up and that's where we should have taken him. And I loved him, and eh, I forget who we took in the twelve in 2012 in the fifth round. Oh, goodness. Now you're going to make me Google it. Probably one of Devitt's guys. <laughs> uh, do I have a – did you do a um, – oh, here you go. Well, body comparison you had, but I don't see a uh, comp on here. He's t- he just, he's he pretty good. That's you know who the area scout was? Debit Moore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Debit. Maybe a nice man. I don't know anything about him. Okay. Brandon Morrow was your uh, body comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Who would take in the fifth round? I'm looking it up. Well, you know what it was? Debit didn't want the guy. That's right, because he had the area. He didn't want Stripling. You didn't want Stripling. You didn't want Waka. You didn't want – you just didn't want these guys. I don't know. I do. I, I don't there. know anything about it. I got it. I was there. What else did you like? How many times did you see him? Do you remember? I, I can I tell the, you. I had, so I had the area 
9, 10, and 11, right? So I saw Ross in 2010 and 11 um, at AM. So I had three years of history. Devitt had the area for just that year. Um, he had been in Louisiana before. Uh, and then he went over to yeah, Louisiana Mystic before. And then he moved to the East Coast after that. So suffice to say that the guys I liked did well and the guys he, he liked did not. And we didn't get along. And he went around to the bat phone and asked Mac to move him. So he did. Man, I cannot get – you'd think that it would be this easy to get draft picks. Here we go. Let's see. I've got 2013, wrong class. Let's go to the class before that. Here we go. Taylor Ard was 2012, wasn't he? In the fifth round, you took um, – well, this was a good pick. Was that Reinheimer? No, it was uh, 2012 fifth round. You took Chris Taylor. That's right. We took Chris Taylor. That's who we took. That was a good pick. Chris Taylor was a shortstop. We thought that they thought could play short. I had seen him, I want to say, in the Cape. Um, and he was Virginia, East yep. Coast, where, where Mac liked to live. And so we took him out of there and traded, they traded him to the Dodgers after. I don't know. If, I think Jack was gone, but I think Mac was still there. They traded with the Dodgers, DePoto did, and he turned into what he's turned into. Turned into a good pick. Yeah. Nobody thought he would hit, though. Telling you right now. We thought it was light bat, play short. Him and Reinheimer, we thought were the same guys. We being the organization. Is Taylor on your list here? He wouldn't be on your list, right? Because uh, I didn't see him that year as a cross-check, but I had seen him the summer before. Hmm. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. And until next time, like, subscribe, leave your comments, blah, blah, blah. Take care, everybody.